Hello, everybody, and welcome back to a very, very special episode of The Space Show Show. Uh, I'm your host, Lieutenant Commander Rebecca Frost, joined with noted Space Show fan Admiral Carrie Jackson. And if you skipped the last four episodes because we were talking about the animated series, welcome back. Um, <laughs> but because now we're on to some really juicy stuff, you guys. Today, we're talking about Star Trek, the motion picture from 1979. And Carrie is the movie's number one fan. He's been so excited for this episode in particular. Now, before we go any further, I want everyone to know, I know this movie isn't good. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I love it just the same. All right. I just want to put that out there for myriad reasons, which we'll get into. Yeah. Yeah. There's a couple of where to start, except at the beginning, I guess. Uh, the mm -hmm. thing about the coming from the original series into this motion picture. Wow. Mm -hmm. What a leap in Star Trek. <laughs> I know. Really? That's that's number one as to why I love this movie. It really gives you some perspective on how big the Federation and Starfleet actually is. Because now we have bigger rooms. We have more people. We have bigger music even. Um, mm -hmm. So, so, so many extras you know well i mean you always heard kirk talk about the lives of 430 crewmen well this time you get to see <laughs> a good chunk of them we actually get to see <laughs> at least 30 of them right at least. <laughs> and, um bigger sets you know this first scene in the movie where we see the the introduction of the ridged forehead klingons with their language with their language that we never heard before created by james mm -hmm. Doohan, by the way um oh yes <laughs> you know, uh, the graphics, I will say, probably kind of similar to the show a little bit. But, I mean, I I don't have a good comparison because I didn't watch, you know, the original series without the remastered effects. So, to me, exactly. all the effects just kind of look the same. Yeah, um, see, that's the thing. Is that the <laughs> Enterprise that you saw on the, on the original series the, with the refurbished mm -hmm. uh, special effects... That's CGI. The, the 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 original series we had it was all models. It was mm -hmm. all models, and you had to shoot it just right, and it had to be done just right. And this movie is all models, no CGI. Oh, really? It wasn't no. This in 1979, the CGI was not even where it could be to do anything like this. This is all models that's another reason that i love this movie so much that that is crazy um this the very first scene with the klingons and when the klingons are getting attacked i thought for whatever reason i'm like oh it's the enterprise the enterprise is going to show up and it's the enterprise doing all this klingon destruction no it was something <laughs> totally else that i didn't really put together until we cut to i think it's san francisco where admiral kirk is um chief mm -hmm. starfleet officer or something like that like he's in charge of starfleet operations yes. um and head of starfleet operations for uh what three years did he say two years so years? so when he's talking later to willard decker um he willard decker says that he hasn't logged any star hours for two and a half years and this takes place about four years after turnabout intruder so um i feel like the timeline is kind of jumbled here and well i feel like it, some it more time because... should have passed well, 
Well, there there was more time. After Turnabout Intruder, they still had another like year and a half out in okay. space with different adventures. The animated this series. <laughs> animated series is part of that. And there was a bunch of other stuff. Uh, so there was a good chunk of time. But once they got back to Earth from the five-year mission, then this is where the timeline starts gotcha. to take, gotcha. take place. So that's where he's, you know, why you were you were like the first successful five-year mission to come back. And by golly, we're going to make you an admiral, and we're going to put you in charge of Starfleet and a desk job, Jim, and you're going to love it. <laughs> but also, it's kind of crazy the upgrades that the Enterprise has gone through in those, like, two and a half, three-ish years, because we've got, like, iPhone 15 version of the Enterprise, right? Like, <laughs> you guys were not kidding uh, when you said this movie is mostly spaceship porn, because... I were listen. Okay, so Captain Kirk, he's getting the crew back together because they got to go out and find out what this weird entity is that's destroying ships out there. And so mm -hmm. Kirk is like, "I'll just take the Enterprise back," which I don't like the way Kirk handled any of this. He was an asshole about he it. He was a huge <laughs> asshole about the entire thing. He's like, you know, what? I'm I'm just gonna take the Enterprise back. And so he's getting mm -hmm. the crew back together for one last heist, right? And so he meets Scotty, and I was like, Scotty, my friend Scotty, so happy to see my friend Scotty. And then we mm -hmm. get roughly 20 minutes of the introduction of the new and improved Enterprise. Four minutes, 26 seconds. <laughs> That's too. I timed it. <laughs> That's too long. I li okay, no, so no, no, no. I was so excited, um, and and the music does such a phenomenal job here too. First of all, my ADHD is really showing. The the new and improved Star Trek theme, which is, I was like, why does this sound so familiar? Oh, this is just the intro on Next Generation, and so mm -hmm. I see they, that they have they just it. kept yeah. it. Um, but it's very loud and triumphant. And when we first get a glimpse of the back end of the Enterprise, the music, the theme is just, it's so delicate and treasured and quiet and reverential. Mm -hmm. And really giving this ship the moment it deserves. And then you get that, that front reveal. And then the music, the crescendo is just so overwhelming and the whole time oh. i'm like i'm like fist pumping on my couch like yeah the enterprise baby <laughs> i can see why people would be so excited about this because we never got this huge no. grand exterior tour of the enterprise exactly and that's another reason why i love this movie <laughs> a that's a model first of all mm -hmm. b this gorgeous looking i mean you have to remember <laughs> In the day, back in the day, uh, <laughs> the original series effects were terrible. And then along came Star Wars mm -hmm. and, and and all of this m amazing special effects. And I kept thinking after, after like the 20th time I saw Star Wars, why can't we do this with Star Trek? We need to do this with Star Trek. <laughs> has anybody you know? has anybody gotten in touch with us with Star Trek? Have they told <laughs> them that anyone... they can do this? <laughs> Let's get Star Trek on the phone. And uh, so so I was so excited when I'm sitting there. In 1979, I, I I got my mom to take me to the Fox Theater in Provo because that was the closest that it was playing for my little farmland community. <laughs> um, and and the first showing, it, it was a noon showing, and and to be there and see that up on the big screen, you're just like my jaw would oh. be on the floor. I was I was, but that's 
see, this is why everyone jokes about that's <laughs> that's my spaceship porn. That's you know, it it's I, it. You timed it. It's four minutes, 26 seconds, 26 seconds. For me, it felt like a half hour of pure spaceship pornography. But it was cool mm -hmm. because we never really got to understand the scale of the Enterprise. And, and this and really highlighted you, when, it. Yeah. And when you're looking at that, the, the, the shots of the, you know, the, of the ship, you realize that the Enterprise is not as big as we thought it was. I mean, if, if you look at the saucer section, the, the thin part of the saucer section, that's only like three or four stories is all. Yeah. So I, I thought that the Enterprise was a bunch bigger. And then seeing it that way, I went, oh, it's not that big. It's not as big as I thought it was. Don't get me wrong. It's big. It is. It's just <laughs> tiny but mighty. Um, yeah. And then the whole scene ends with an actual <laughs> docking penetration. When the little shuttle that Scotty and Kirk are on docks itself into the, it, I, I thought it was yes. so extremely on the nose. But you know what? I, I'm totally here for it. Um, I was also really nervous <laughs> to see our friends again because um, it had been a minute. You know, I hadn't. You know, we watched the original series and we watched the animated series, so we hadn't seen our friends in a while. And I was kind of nervous mm -hmm. that I was like, "Oh no, are they going to be?" different and i i don't know i was just so nervous but the minute kirk shows up and the minute scotty shows up i was like yay my friends are back and i'm so happy to see them and admiral uhura is gonna be there too and you know they get on the ship and admiral uhura is there and uh sulu is there and Chekhov is there well uhura's not an admiral she is they call her admiral uhura no yeah are you sure that's not I, your AD, ADHD? No, I in? literally Googled it because they called her Admiral Uhura. I'm doing oh. Admiral Uhura Star okay. Trek motion I don't, picture. I cannot I, I don't believe. recall that. Cannot believe. Let's see. Let's go to our friends. You're not Memory Alpha. Um, <laughs> Memory Alpha will take you down an entire hole and will never get the answer for 10 minutes. Yeah, um, you're just going to have to take my word for it that they said Admiral Uhura, and I did Google it after the fact, and it said Admiral Uhura. Okay. okay. So, yeah. Um, <laughs> anyway, so we get on the the Enterprise, and we meet Willard Decker, the current captain of the Enterprise, noted son of uh, Decker from the Doomsday Machine, who was going after his white whale, the for mm -hmm. the forbidden uh, fleshlight out in space, and yes. he was going crazy <laughs> over that. Um, and uh, he's pissed because this old guy just comes in and is like hey by the way i'm just gonna take over this ship again and he is like this ship has this is not the same enterprise that you flew this is an entirely brand new enterprise you don't know nothing about it and this is kind of highlighted in this initial scene where we meet you know everybody on the crew and it's kind of a mess i think i know where you're getting admiral uhura i think you're confusing her with admiral nagura who is the head of Starfleet, who Kirk had to go and talk to about getting command of the Enterprise. Because as, as, as he lands in San Francisco and he meets his, his Vulcan first officer, he says, uh, I'm going to have a, a meeting with, with uh, Admiral Nagura. It will last approximately three minutes. After that, I want you to report to me ab aboard the Enterprise. Hmm. I think that might be where your confusion is. I promise. 
<laughs> because even Scotty says on uh, as they're about to take him over for the porn flight. Uh, <laughs> I've named I've just named it the porn flight. It's like okay. a wine flight, but it's okay. a porn flight. And he says, "I doubt it was that easy with Nagura." Okay, even if they okay, even if they don't right. say it. I've gone to Memory Alpha. Uhura, in your heart. In my heart of yeah. hearts. In the Uhura was depicted in the novels as later going on to achieve the rank of Admiral and becoming the head of Starfleet Intelligence in the 24th century. Um, yes. So I'm not wrong. You're not wrong. She will be an Admiral. <laughs> She's not an Admiral yet. She's on her way, though. Is Uhura an Admiral? Yeah. <laughs> Uh, you know what? Get in the comments. Everyone's going to get in the comments about this, and that's Sorry. fine. Yeah, just it's down fine. There, down there. Um, so we meet everybody on the crew, and it is a mess. And everyone's wearing these outfits that I can only describe as a Skims collaboration. I don't know if you know what <laughs> Skims are. It's the Kim yes. Kardashian fashion line. Um, but it looks like a Starfleet Skims collaboration, and it I like is to think of ugly. It as a... I'd like to think of it as a Starfleet slumber party. All the uniforms look like pajamas. Uh, and I, I remember I, one of the trivia bits I remember reading was um, Michelle Nichols was not a fan because they were not very Uhura. Uh, they were so like, is this a cult? Is, is... Although you know, I'll say this though, she looks great in her in her uniform. Oh yeah, she Even looks Even though she fantastic. may not have liked it, she rocked it because she's amazing. So yeah, she looks fantastic. Um, mm -hmm while we're kind of getting our grips on what the state of the current enterprise is, there's a malfunction with the transporter and Kirk goes to try to fix it. And I was like, man, is Kirk going to just marry Sue his way around the enterprise and fix everything? And he doesn't. This transporter mishap kills two people and they contact, um, the fe the federation base where they're beaming these people from because they're they're trying there's they're stuck mm -hmm. essentially in the buffer pattern right and they the enterprise can't get them but it's too late for them to go back to where they came from so they get in touch with the federation where these these two people had just beamed from horrific screaming sounds by the way mm -hmm, and their mm -hmm. response is what we got back didn't live long fortunately Mm -hmm. Holy shit! What <laughs> what an implication! And, well, and and now you know why McCoy doesn't like the transporter. Do not blame <laughs> him. And that's Ooh. the end of Commander Sonak, his Vulcan that he wanted as first officer. Oh, so that was him. Yeah. So Kirk, he's trying to get the crew back together. We get um Elia, who is a Delton, who I don't think we've ever melted met a Delton before. Okay. Let's talk about the Deltons for a minute. Hey. First of all, here's here's a, here's an action figure of of Lieutenant Ilea or the Ilea probe as it says here. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Spoiler alert. As you can see. And it comes with parts of Beejer. We'll get to that later. <laughs> in this Star Trek the Motion Picture the novelization by Gene Roddenberry. Carrie is holding up the novelization. A physical book. They talk book. about the Deltons, oh. all right. Uh, and and you know because uh, she she notably says, and this was a line that threw all of us when we saw it. You know, little little Carrie in 1979, who says, uh, "My oath of celibacy is on record, Captain." And we're like, "What?" So I had to get the book to see what was going What's on. What's the deal with that? The Deltons, fuck. Oh, <laughs> oh yeah. It's it's funny. 
uh, because uh, here, here it is, Ilea. Uh, let's see. Welcome aboard, Lieutenant, blah, blah, blah. Hello, Ilea Decker. Kirk found himself eyeing the exchange with some concern. It was becoming clear the two knew each other well, probably romantically. Uh, with anyone but a Delton, of course, it would have been Decker's affair. No concern of Kirk's, but the fact that she was a Delton changed that. Uh, still, he realized that uh, if it had been a romance, they could not have fully consummated it or Decker would not be here. On the other hand, if Decker were still attracted to her, that could also be a serious problem. Kirk could hardly afford any risk to the man who was both his XO and science officer. Anyway, he says, I was stationed there. It goes on to talk about how the Deltons, this is, uh, oh yeah, uh, my oath of celibacy had come up. Starfleet requirement whenever Deltons served with human crews. Starfe Starfleet reports our last six crew members are ready. Oh, okay, anyway. But he goes on about the Deltons and they, they excrete a pheromone that makes humans horny. Oh, and the Deltons have this kind of free love attitude on their planet. So it's like, oh, you know, you want to do it? Yeah, let's do it. <laughs> How interesting, because, you know, she's, I, I had picked up that they had like a previous relationship with Deckard and mm -hmm. Ilya, and I picked up that they had a previous relationship. And Kirk was like, oh, my God, are you going to be OK? And she's like, don't worry. Like, I, I had sworn an oath or have an oath of celibacy. And I Googled it and I was like, the only info that I quickly found was that Deltons, when they, you know, work in starfleet take that oath of celibacy and i'm like oh okay that makes sense to me but mm -hmm. how interesting that they um are so, this crazy creature <laughs> gene gene roddenberry who's a perv we know that mm -hmm. uh goes on about how the deltons and their society they, they are a sexual society and so my question is why would starfleet put humans on the planet wait <laughs> <laughs> ay, ay, ay. Anyway, hmm. so, but this is this is uh, Roddenberry's notes and uh, screen. Uh, uh, Alan Dean Foster did the uh, novel. Oh, interesting. So, um, anyway. <laughs> yeah, so hot bald lady shows up, and mm -hmm. thankfully Kirk's not going to go for that because she's not blonde. Um, mm -hmm. but oh, yeah, he... not his type at all. <laughs> and also, <laughs> oh, uh, Carrie's holding up another toy. That now, is... These are original. These are original Mego figures from the movie, three and three quarter inch. As you can see, not very detailed. But there's the <laughs> Ilea action figure. Wow! Um, and I love when she first walks on the bridge. Everybody else in the on the bridge is like, "Oh, uh oh." Chekhov's reaction is extremely different. He gets the biggest smile on his face that I have ever seen Chekhov have. And I was like, oh, mm -hmm. yes, that's right. The second horniest man on the Enterprise. He's here. That's our horny, that's our horny Chekhov. That's our horny Chekhov. Um, but in order to get the rest of the crew back together, we got to go track down our favorite chief medical officer, Dr. McCoy. Yes. And I was not prepared for Disco McCoy to show up on my oh, screen. Please. He's got you... this beard. He's got this tracksuit. He's got this big gold medallion on his big hairy chest. <laughs> he is Disco McCoy. Absolutely. The scream has... I screamed. <laughs> I was just not prepared to see him this way. <laughs> but refusing to get on the transporter pad until everybody goes through. Yeah. Uh, not wanting to get on and we never i mean it's in it's in the book but we don't in the movie get the backstory as to why he he said I'm, i'll never return to starfleet oh what's the backstory 
I have, I'd have to go back and read it again. I don't remember that oh, exactly. It is in here, though. Sure, sure, right. sure. I mean, but I don't blame I don't blame him. But then, of course, Kurt, literally, it's been two and a half, three years. And McCoy's like, oh, my God, again already? I've been out here living my best disco life. <laughs> I want more of that. You want more, more disco McCoy. <laughs> I need more of what McCoy does in his downtime. I want a Disco McCoy action figure. That's what I want. I got to tell you, I was devastated when he shaved his beard. I was like, couldn't you keep your beard? Does Starfleet have a regulation that you have to shave your they, beard? They, I, You know, I, I don't know if they would or not, maybe. I don't know. Hmm. Oh, but well. uh, anyway, the, uh, we they they go they go off and do their thing um and they encounter a wormhole which was one of the coolest scenes i've seen ever because you the, liked that you didn't that was so no, cool no see this surprises me because that's usually one of the first complaints that people who see this movie they they hate the wormhole sequence oh my god it was so cool the way at the beginning it's like barely noticeable and i was like oh is this my tv but then as they get further into the wormhole it gets you know their the lighting and the stretching and their their slow talking mm -hmm. i was like this is some cool effects i can't believe people complain about this i thought it was so awesome it's one of the least favorite parts of the movie uh, for people. It's just astounding. I, you know, that's I'm... insane. It it is this section of the movie is where I have the note. They could this movie could shave off twenty minutes easily because there's a lot a lot of this movie drags. Oh yes, and I'll talk about it later when I get to like the trivia bits. But like this was one of the first, not one of the first. The Enterprise was the introduction. Of the Enterprise was first, but I was like, wow, they this movie is too long, and some of these <laughs> scenes are too long and unnecessary. Some of the yes, yeah, some of the scenes are that it's true. It, this movie does tend to drag, and that uh, was again one of the big complaints after we had Star Wars, which was nonstop. You know. And here comes Star Trek, the motion picture with, oh, these long and plot out. And of course, the sci-fi nerds like me were like, well, that's what Star Trek is, okay? It's not your, it's what we do. We're exploring space. You be quiet. Um, uh, yeah, but they're they're coming up against the the entity that they are chasing, right? And it's mm -hmm. it, it's going to attack them. And Kirk asks, you know, Kirk says to fire phasers, but Will Decker is like, oh my god, don't do that, do this instead. And I was like, oh my god, Will Decker, um, you're becoming you're, he's quickly becoming my favorite because I love that he's like, <laughs> oh my god, this old man has no idea what he's doing with this updated ship. The the phasers would not have worked, so we had to fire the photon torpedoes, and. Mm -hmm. Again, this takes 10 minutes because they're moving in slow motion. <laughs> and... your Will Decker oh, action figure. Will right Decker there. action figure. Will you leave that to me in your will? Sure. <laughs> <laughs> um, it doesn't look anything like him, but there you go. Yeah. 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 All right. But yeah, uh, this is the instance where Will Decker has it out with Kurt he, where he asks, you know, can I speak freely? And he says, you are old and don't know this ship. And I think Kirk might be having a midlife crisis. Like that's gotta be the reason why he was like, I gotta get the enterprise back. Um, well, yeah. I mean, he's been behind a desk for three years. So, you know, mm -hmm. naturally. 
Yeah, he's got to be going through a midlife crisis. Although you have to admit, his hubris is what's pushing this whole thing. He's yeah. convinced oh, yeah. that he's the only he's the only guy because he's been mm-hmm. out there for five years. He did it. He did it better than anybody. He's convinced he's the guy that can save the earth. You know. Yeah, I do like that he's not pushy about that fact, and instead he allows for feedback. Um, because he is kind of he is pretty stubborn kirk is pretty stubborn um but with this feedback especially from mccoy and deckard yes he is like oh my god maybe they're right i i'm jumping into this way too fast well it, it starts with mccoy where you know kirk's up there saying i need warp speed now i need warp speed now and everybody's telling him we're not ready we're not ready and mccoy comes up behind him friendly dr mccoy his his friend not his officer you Mm -hmm. know fellow officer he's like jim you're pushing these people know their jobs Mm -hmm. dr mccoy stop micromanaging yeah love it um but then oh my gosh i can't believe we haven't even talked about what our friend spock has been up to this entire time spock has been on his planet vulcan which by the way seeing the planet vulcan was so cool um isn't it though (laughs) did not like spock's page boy haircut the wig that he was wearing was a little bit much um but (laughs) spock has gone through the ritual on vulcan where it is the ritual where they purge all of their emotions and i can only imagine how difficult this is for our friend spock who is half human more so more so more so the half human part which is why going into it a lot of the vulcans were like he's not gonna make it Mm -hmm. So so Spock shows up on the Enterprise, and I'm like, oh my god, it's our friend Spock! And it is not our same friend Spock. He no. is not friendly. He's extremely Vulcan and straightforward and to the point, and can't even be bothered with small talk. Um, nope. But it turns out, while he was on Vulcan, he, he felt a presence that was essentially this entity. So the Enterprise and Spock are on a similar path to discover this entity so they might as well travel together yes not for fun and the way it broke my heart to see kirk be like so excited to see his friend spock and spock was just like whatever old flame and couldn't even be arsed to be friendly with his old friend captain kirk will you allow me i allow you to read an excerpt because you have talked about the bromance between oh, these two. Please. Yes. Here is an editor's note. Because uh, as as he's on Vulcan in the book, he, he in his mind is saying, Jim, goodbye, my Thyla. And then there's an asterisk. Editor's note. The human concept of friend is most nearly duplicated in Vulcan thought by the term Thyla, which can also mean brother and lover. Spock's recollection from which this chapter is drawn is that most difficult moment for him since he did he did indeed consider Kirk to have become his brother. However, because Thyla can mean lover, and since Kirk and Spock's friendship was unusually close, this has led to some speculation over to whether they had actually indeed become lovers. At our request, Admiral Kirk supplied the following comment on this subject. What? I, I know, you're getting excited, aren't you? Brother I was lovers. never a 
I was never aware of this lover's rumor, although I have been told that Spock encountered it several times. Apparently, he has always dismissed it with his characteristic lifting of his right eyebrow, which usually connoted some combination of surprise, disbelief, and or annoyance. As for myself, although I have no moral or other objections to physical love in any of its many earthly, alien, and mixed forms, we know that. Brother lovers, they're brother lovers. I have always found my best gratification in that in that creature woman. Also, I would uh, dislike being thought of as so foolish that I would select a love partner who came into sexual heat only once every seven years. <laughs> Editor's note. The human concept of friend is most nearly duplicated in Vulcan th uh, thought by the term tithyla which can mean brother and lover. Spock's recollection from which this chapter is drawn is that it was a most difficult moment for him since he did indeed consider Kirk to have become his brother. However, because Tyla can mean also lover, and since Kirk and Spock's friendship was unusually close, this has led to some speculation over whether they had actually indeed become lovers. At our request, Admiral Kirk supplied the following comment on the subject. I was never aware of the lover's rumor, although I have been told that Spock encountered it several times. Apparently, he had always dismissed it with his characteristic lifting of his right eyebrow, which usually connoted some combination of surprise, disbelief, and or annoyance. As for myself, I have no moral or other objections to physical love in any of its many earthly, alien, and mixed forms. Brother lovers, yeah. they're brother lovers. I have always found it my best gratification in that creature, woman. <laughs> Although I would dislike being thought of as so foolish that I would select a love partner who came into sexual heat only once every seven years. Aye, aye, aye. <laughs> they had to have at least once. At least Probably. once. <laughs> Probably. Right. Um, and McCoy also, he walks in and he's also like, so help me, I'm actually pleased to see you. And Spock just has no reaction, which <laughs> just absolutely devastating. Um, <laughs> yeah. So. Well, he's. Yeah. yeah. So right around this time uh, is kind of where I was like, oh, my God, they could shave off a whole 30 more minutes of this movie. Um, but, you know, they come across the entity and Kurt, Spock tries to mind meld with it. Um, I can't remember the order of operations here. They encounter the probe. They're able or they they're able to communicate it with so it stops attacking the Enterprise. Um mm -hmm. and it sends a probe on board, which is just like a bolt of lightning going through the whole ship. And mm -hmm. um they're they're fine not to interact with it as long as it doesn't seem to harm them. And Chekhov even says, Don't worry, I have no I'm not going to interfere with it. And mm -hmm. I it, well, I then the, the then the probe starts going into the uh, hit, uh, memory banks of the Enterprise. Yes. In, you know, it's searching history, which they have no problem with. But then it starts to get into the specs of the Enterprise, and specifically its defense and weapons, and then Earth's defenses. Mm. And that's when Spock steps up and smashes the computer so that it can't get that information. And that's when because, it gets pissed, and it and that's... it lightning bolts Ilea, and um, essentially kills Ilea. And while while they are 
busy taking care of Ilea, Spock decides to go try to mind meld with whatever this entity is and finds out um, it's a living machine. Spock essentially has found the Matrix. And mm -hmm. the whole point of, the, of this living machine Matrix is to find information and gather as much information as possible. And for what reason? Who knows? Um, but then back to Ilea on the ship, she's no longer Ilea. She has become the entity known as V'ger. She is the Ilea probe, yes. She is the Ilea probe. And she, her whole deal is find the creator. And from what we can piece together, the creator is on Earth. And so that's why it is heading towards Earth. Um, and uh, Deckard is like, well, I'll try. I'll see if I can get to Ilea because they had a previous romantic relationship. And, you know, she's mm -hmm. still kind of be in there somewhere. And V'ger is just having none of it. Um, you know, when Spock tries to mind meld, he comes back and he kind of comes back as the Spock that we know. And because um, there's one there's one thing that V'ger could not comprehend and he doesn't expressly say it, but it's got to be the power of love between two friends because <laughs> Spock seems finally to be happy to be back with Kirk. And it kind of seems like we have the Spock that we know. Um, mm -hmm. And then honestly, the rest of the movie is V'ger being like, where's creator and they're like okay well let's well let's get in touch with earth we'll see if we can try to find a creator or whatever Ilea the Ilea probe sends out this message gets no response and is like well time to kill all humanity because that <laughs> <laughs> well because the the creator did not answer yeah but he, why you know, is the response he, to kill all humanity the probe is here I have this all this information that you sent me to get I collected it all. All of the knowledge of the universe is behind me here. I'm here to send it to you, and you have not answered. So that clearly means that the carbon units that have infested the Enterprise have also infested Earth. Mm. And, and the creator couldn't possibly be a carbon unit because these things are so flawed. Uh, the creator had to have been, you know, just like the probe. Uh, I, I gotta be, you know, so what i need to do is i need to get rid of all of these humans and then the creator will be able to answer because clearly they're screwing things up gotcha 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 but then kirk does a classic kirk bluff them and is like well we you can't kill us because we got to take you to the creator and es essentially buys them some time with his classic mm -hmm. a classic kirk, kirk bluff them um and we where does I I must have missed how this happened in the movie, but they are then in a room with the create with the creator air quotes. Um, well, that, that was that was all part of Kirk's bluff is that we can we can only, uh, you know, contact the creator if we're in the same room as as you as V'ger. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. We, we can only do that if we're if we're near V'ger, then we can do that. So you've got to bring us to the to V'ger you have to get us there and so that's when gotcha, gotcha, the ship gotcha. comes in that's when they walk out and they go down into that bowl or whatever it is and that's where they discover that big room with V'ger which they mm -hmm. discover is a Voyager probe sent by NASA more than 300 years ago it's the Voyager 6 and in real earth we've only sent out I think two Voyager probes um but so Voyager 6 was a, a fictional 
creation. But the whole purpose of the Voyager probe is to gather information from the universe and report back to Earth. And so when mm -hmm. the Voyager probe came in contact with this living machine entity thing, um, it uh, the 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 living entity thing you know merged with the voyager probe and its whole deal was consume as much information as possible and take it back to earth but it grew it grew so smart it became sentient and that's why it it's became, on this big evil mission yeah <laughs> it became self-aware but it still had questions like you know is this all that i am am i just a big computer you know questions there we all more have to yeah this? exactly questions we all have um and I personally, I thought that was a killer reveal. Uh, I thought that was so clever. And wow, humans really are the monsters all along, right? <laughs> <laughs> but then in order to complete it, it has to merge with humanity. Well, what the probe does is it, it, we figure out that it's Voyager 6. We figure out what its programming is. Uh, Uhura, get me the codes to let the probe know that that we send the information there it must be in the, in the library computers and she's like of course it is blah, 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 calls it up so and you have to send it via transmission old style not the new style of transmission it has to be the old style so they start sending it to viger and and decker's got his tricorder and he goes okay here comes here it comes and it's a series of numbers and he says and the final sequence and suddenly there's a psh, 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 on V'ger. Mm. V'ger severs the antenna. It doesn't want the information that way. It decides that it wants to meet and touch the creator. Mm. Well, that's a problem because the guys who made the probe, long dead, long of course. Dead. Right. <laughs> so that's, that's V'ger's counter Kirk, you know, gambit, you know, it's like, oh, okay, well, you got to really, you got to bring him up. You got to bring him up. That's the only <laughs> way that I'll... I, I'm going to destroy the planet unless you, it's a hostage situation. Bring him up. And that's when they re, V'ger goes, ah, I want to merge with the creator. I want to touch the creator. And, and the creator is humans. And so, Ilya Decker. And they <laughs> merge and become space dust and leave into another dimension as an entirely new type of life force creation mm -hmm. and wildly that's where the movie ends like there's no further like would love to have seen a debriefing with starfleet maybe to kind of go over <laughs> the events that just happened because they're not even they don't even list ilea and decker as missing they're like or as dead they're like just list them as missing missing they're missing no follow-up from starfleet about maybe what happened there uh mm -hmm. instead it's just oh well we found it and we solved the problem the end goodbye folks that's star that's trek that's pretty much the way the book ends too. You <laughs> That's know, it, insane. It's, just, it's like it's like this page, that page, and that page, and there's your end after the creation of this new life form. It's like, oh, okay, I guess we're done here. We saved the Earth. All right. Hi, yai. And so, uh, the first half of the movie, awesome. Love Star Trek. Way to go, team by the end of the movie i'm like oh i see now where the flaws are um 
some reactions from the from people who worked on it William Shatner who saw the first who saw the completed film for the first time at the world premiere was struck everybody did Ooh. everybody did because it wasn't finished yikes he <laughs> was struck by the overall sluggishness of the film and was convinced that the Star Trek franchise died there and then he opined well that's it we gave it our best shot it wasn't good and it will never happen again <laughs> Well, it was it was an episode of a TV series stretched out. Mm. The plan was Star Trek Phase 2. That's what they were going to do. It was going to bring back Star Trek as a TV series. But then, oh wait, this whole Star Wars thing. Uh, we should we should go to the movies with this. We should we should definitely make So that's why there's mm. a lot of padding going on. Also, this plot is pretty much identical to the changeling from the original series. Yes, it is very much. It is pretty much essentially the same plot, just a little bit more elaborate. Um, Leonard Nimoy, he spoke briefly about the film, saying it was a very finely crafted film and it did well. But from the actor's point of view, frankly, it was frustrating. We didn't feel we, that we were getting to play the characters that we enjoyed playing in the way that we knew how to play them. And it was frustrating for Gene Roddenberry, too. It wasn't the story or script he had wanted, and the gaps seemed filled seemed filled with too much emphasis on special effects. Which, totally agree. I feel like um, they were leaning far too hard on, look at this fun special effects stuff that mm -hmm. we can do now. Um, years later, at a 2012 Los Angeles Times video interview, Nimoy added that he, too, had felt that the movie had left the franchise stranded like a beached whale. At the time, clarifying... That I think Robert Wise and Gene Roddenberry were looking for a 2001 Space Odyssey kind of thing like Stanley Kubrick had done. A cold and exactly. cool, we're out here in yeah. space and it's kind of quiet and things move very slowly. Uh, there was a lot of that cerebral stuff and there just wasn't enough drama. It wasn't a Star Trek movie. We had the Star Trek people, but we didn't use as Star Trek characters very well. Which That's true. he nailed it, right? Like, mm -hmm. these are my friends and I'm so happy to see my friends again what are they doing they're just not being very exciting exactly um during the rewrites of the final scenes studio executives clashed with gene roddenberry about the script's ending believing that the concept of a living machine was far too far-fetched the executives consulted Isaac Asimov. If the writer decided a sentient machine was plausible, the ending could stay. Asimov loved the ending, but made one small suggestion. He felt that the use of the word wormhole was incorrect, and that the anomaly mm -hmm. the Enterprise found itself in would be more accurately called a temporal tunnel. Yes, exactly. Which, which, it's funny, because, uh, you know, back in the day, uh, <laughs> all we had was... All we had was Starlog magazine, and that was a sci-fi fan magazine. And they would do big articles about this kind of thing, where they would interview scientists and say, and there was a whole article in, I remember, about the Star Trek, the motion picture wormhole situation. You know, and, and so the scientists would go, well, yeah, wormhole's not a great term. It really, I mean, what they're talking about could happen theoretically, but it wouldn't be a wormhole. It would be called something else. And, you know. It, it, it's, it's the same magazine that Harlan Ellison was having a hard time with the space slug in the meteor in Empire <laughs> Strikes Back. But that's, you know. I would I would watch um, a 30 to 40 minute YouTube video essay about the comparisons between Star Trek The Motion Picture and Interstellar. Because at one point I was mm. like, oh, am I just watching Interstellar? Because that like a lot of the effects reminded me of Interstellar. So I if anyone wants to point me in the direction of that YouTube video essay... Love to watch Surely it. Surely that exists. It's Surely. gotta. 
Uh, and lastly, this film was the basis for McDonald's first Happy Meal movie tie-in promotion. It said that 50 million Star Trek meals were delivered to 4,500 outlets. I bought at least 10 of them. Do you still have them? Do you still have the promotional no, toys? Carrie. Sadly, no, I I sold them at you know at toy shows and things along through the years. I I did save the boxes and the toys, but then I sold them. I didn't think they'd be worth anything and they really Oof, weren't at the look time. At you now. Now they might be, I don't know. Do you know how many e Instagram reels I have watched about people playing with vintage McDonald's toys? <laughs> Well, you can watch the, the the time closet here on the Geek Show YouTube, and that's me playing with my vintage toys. So that's, <laughs> you get that. Some lovely self-promotion. Um, yes. But uh, that's Star Trek The Motion Picture. Um, I don't know what I would rate it if I had to rate it. Maybe six and a half out of ten, maybe, mm. if I'm thinking about numbers. Because, like, and it I was think, fine. Yeah, and, I, and I think you're being generous. But... <laughs> As much as I love it, uh, yeah, there were there were a lot of problems building up to this movie, but and and like I said at the premiere, that was the first time that anybody saw a final cut. Mm. The print was still wet. I Ooh. mean, <laughs> they were still working on the special effects up to the last minute because the original crew that they had hired to make the special effects completely crapped out, and and they couldn't get anybody at ILM. They couldn't get anybody, so they called up this guy Douglas Trumbull, who did some work on two thousand one. And who later go, you know, would work on Close Encounters. Uh, so they called up Douglas Trumbull and he says, I think I can do your Star Trek. And he pretty much got his team together. They got it. But it was last minute. It was very last Oof. minute. Um, and, uh, but I remember being there opening day at the Fox Theater in Provo. And I did not know it at that time. But my dear friend Jeff Weiss was also in the audience. Aww. Hadn't met him yet. Hadn't met him yet. Wasn't until years later that I met Serendipitous. him. Serendipitous. So there you go. And, and he and I both, we they they used to sell stuff like this at the uh, theaters. This is my favorite piece of Star Trek The Motion Picture memorabilia. I got it on, at the movie on opening day. It was a dollar. I still have it. As you can see, oh, they just sold that at the concession stand. Pin. It's the little silver pin that Kirk is wearing in the beginning of the movie. That's it's, a good-looking pin. It's a great-looking pin, and it's so delicate. I, I, I want to wear it. I want to. I wouldn't put it dare on my hats and things, but I'm afraid to. I don't it's want to lose of, it or break it. It's made of aluminium. That's you'll breathe on it wrong. It looks like it'll break. It is very frail. I, but I love that pin. Maybe if I, you know what? I'll bet somebody could do a recreation of that and make me a new one. Anyway, but then also we we finally got some decent toys. What I considered decent toys at the time. Uh, for Star Trek. I mean, we got these uh, three and three quarters inch. In their figures. skims this is, uniforms. This, yeah, in their pajamas. This is their, uh, this is the, uh, uh, the Dr. McCoy right, right there. You see on the back. Oh, Those is are all Disco the figures McCoy? That were, oh, is Disco McCoy Disco McCoy figure? is not. Regular McCoy was, but, you know, not Disco McCoy. I would McCoy. pay good money for saying. Disco McCoy. We need a Disco McCoy. And there's your friend Scotty right there. My friend Scotty with his mustache. Yeah. He was rocking that mustache. That mustache, yes. So, uh, so there you go. Those are, but uh, this pin is still my favorite a little bit of Star Trek, the motion picture memorabilia. And then when I went to New York for the first time, uh, I was just a youngin. Uh, I, we, st uh, Bill and I went to do some radio from there and we stayed with an old friend of his from college or, or from acting in New York. Mm -hmm. And he says, I got something for you. I heard you were a Star Trek fan. And he gave me this. Whoa. 
this is a Star Trek the Motion Picture phaser. You can see it's a yeah. Star Trek. Yeah, But it's a water pistol. <laughs> <laughs> it's a squirt gun. So I could get you wet. Uh, but then we also got these toys, uh, replica phasers. Just regular phasers. Wow. Don't get those in the water. No, you don't want to get those in the water. They barely but... used phasers in this movie. Oh, they didn't hardly at all. They didn't, I don't think for they the, did the it. the phasers yeah. on the ship. No, no, I don't think they did no. it all. No, you won't get to, to hmm. see a, a phaser in use until Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan. Which will be coming up next week. We, I mean, we did kind of talk about Wrath of Khan episodes ago, um, but next week we'll do a full deep dive into Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan. Um, <laughs> but until then, any last words about the motion picture? I'm just surprised that you liked it as much as you did. I don't know I why you're surprised. Sure... <laughs> I tend to overly enjoy you know, anything Star Trek. <laughs> listen, when we started this, I thought the plan was is that you were going to shit on Star Trek and I would try to defend it. And it's not been that show. No, sorry. <laughs> sorry that I came here to just love Star Trek and only talk about Star Trek. Literally, I can't go out places with people anymore because i have to preface every conversation with sorry i can only talk about star trek it's my entire personality now that's all <laughs> i can talk about now uh I, we have tonight today as of recording today's halloween and um we of course um procrastinated so i had ordered my husband a captain pike yellow uniform top and hopefully mm -hmm. it arrives today <laughs> for the trick-or-treaters fingers um, crossed it, yeah amazon says it'll be here before 10 and i'm like well sooner would be nice so and as the poster which we have as the background here which is just i think it's my favorite star Trek it's gorgeous poster. uh and and at the bottom of the poster it says and that's where i want to take the this this podcast as you can see on my matchbook promotional matchbook <laughs> The human adventure is just beginning. Oh, and that's how the movie ends, too, with that uh, title card. Because, uh -huh. see, Star Wars is aliens. We're and it human. took place so long ago. So long ago. Yeah. The future so, is yeah. now. So, well, yeah. <laughs> well, everybody, <laughs> thank you so much for listening to us talk about Star Trek The Motion Picture. And, um, you know leave a comment what are your thoughts on star trek the motion picture um would love to get more comments from people i just want to talk about, i just want to talk about star trek so uh <laughs> and you know tune in next week next week we'll talk about star trek 2 the wrath of khan but until then we'll keep going where no man has gone before but a lot of men have gone before thanks everybody